I'm Denisha Simpson. And I'm Joy McGowan. And and we we are Resilient Resilient Black Black Women. We are the co-host to this podcast, which is all about demystifying mental health for black women, women of color, and women everywhere. Thanks for listening to the podcast today, y'all. If you like what you hear, share this episode with a friend. Heidi Dennis has been a licensed counselor since 2011. Prior to that, she has been working in the helping profession since 2002. Heidi also had the unique experience of growing up overseas in a third world country. Because of this, she has always had a heart to help those in marginalized communities. Heidi loves to volunteer within these communities. She has been a court-appointed special advocate for children in foster care over the past few years. She is on the board of directors at a local nonprofit called the Teen Action Support Center that aims to help at-risk teens find the support and empowerment that they need. Heidi currently resides in Arkansas with her husband, Mike, and son, Eli. Welcome to the podcast, Heidi. Hey, glad to be here. <laughs> hey, we are so excited that you were able to come in today and Absolutely. be with us. Yeah. Um, and we, I mean, we wanted to talk about this book that you wrote called yes. um, Hello Anxiety. Yes. Um, we, first of all, are just really grateful that you had the time to be here. And second of all, we wanted to make sure that we supported your work and your self-published book on Amazon called Hello Anxiety by Heidi Dennis. We will leave all the links to everything that Heidi is doing in our community um in the show notes for y'all um and so thank you thank you thank you so much for being here Heidi I'm so glad to be here it's an honor good y'all today on the podcast to our listeners we are talking to Heidi about her book she wrote a book all about anxiety and it is all about how to find peace by changing your response to anxiety so today we're just going to interview her ask her some questions about this book and we hope that you our listeners can take away some tangible um, tips and tricks for how to manage the anxiety that may show up in your body do you want to get us started with the first question sure Heidi yeah I'm so happy to have you here. I'm so glad. Yes. (laughs) Um, Why this book? Like, for me, even when I look at the title, Mm -hmm. Hello Anxiety, that is already normalizing anxiety for me. Um, So I'm just so curious of why this book? Yeah. I'm so glad you caught that because that was very intentional. Mm -hmm. Like, you can read it in two different tones. Hello, anxiety. Or, hello, anxiety. Like, how do Mm -hmm. I learn to work with this? And I wanted to write it because... I I saw client after client coming in with anxiety and number one, they would misunderstand it. And Mm -hmm. so they would think their body was betraying them. Um, They would feel a large sense of shame, like they were malfunctioning, like I'm broken, something's wrong with me. And the goal that they wanted me to accomplish was make it stop, Mm -hmm. just make my anxiety stop. And I thought that's not, that's the opposite of what we want to do. We want to learn to listen to anxiety because it is trying to tell us something very important. Um, It's our internal alarm system. So I wanted to just reframe that in a new way. Number one, to let people know you're not broken. There's nothing Mm -hmm. wrong with you when Mm -hmm. you're feeling anxious. And number two, it can actually be a really useful tool that's trying to help you. I mean, I think that's like everything that we talk about, too, on the podcast yes. all the time, right? We are always telling our listeners that your emotions are good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they have good reasons for showing up. And so I think that's what I got, too, when I was reading through your book, um, was just this idea of almost like I need to thank it. Yeah. Um, I love how you talked about in the earlier chapters, like, it's a part of our alarm system. Yes. Um, and so, one, to your point of, like, you're not broken. No, you're not broken because your alarm system is actually working. Yes, it's working just fine. Doing exactly what it's supposed to do. Um, 
walk us through some of the highlights for you. What are some of the highlights maybe in either creating or actually like just finishing this book and seeing it all yeah. over Instagram and all the stuff like that. Yeah. Right. It's, it's been really exciting because I, I, I always had that dream deep in my heart to write a book, but I didn't know where to start. And so I just kind of started asking people that I knew of like, okay, what's your experience? What can you teach me? What should my next steps be? Um, and just kind of pulling from, from my, my people, right? Like what, what can I do next? Um, and so then I just kind of would set aside time to write and kind of, piece it together and then I remember I was like all like ready and so eager um kind of like you feel when you're about to have a baby right joy yeah (laughs) um and I I was like like get it let's just get it out like let's just get it out in the world and then I had a thought but what if it's an ugly baby (laughs) what what if it's out there and it's an Mm -hmm. ugly baby so um so yeah some anxiety some Mm -hmm. for myself right some vulnerability there um but also just an eagerness to get the message out to people that that this is a good thing that you're working with with anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my the chapters that like I like earmarked a couple of chapters that I was like, <laughs> this is really good. I, when I think about what typically shows up in my office when I'm working with clients with anxiety is uh, it goes back to your chapter eight of why distraction doesn't work. Mm. Um, and I really liked how you kind of ended that chapter. You're like, okay, it doesn't work, but this is how it could work. Yes. Only if you don't ignore the alarm system yes. that you're about. So like, can you break that down a little bit for us? Tell us why don't distractions work? And maybe even share whatever you feel comfortable with. Like, how often have we seen clients try to use distractions mm. and thought that this is how I solve my anxiety problem? Right, right. Yeah, so... To answer your question, I'll kind of use an analogy. Yeah. Imagine you're laying in bed and your smoke alarm goes off, right? And you try to distract from it because the noise is annoying, mm-hmm. right? Just like anxiety feels annoying. And you you just don't want to know what's happening. And so obviously you wouldn't ever do that. Mm-hmm. You would get up, you would check to see is there a fire? Is there danger? And then you can disarm it. And and then distraction can be a great tool, right, after Mm -hmm. that. But you always want to check first and say, okay, is there a threat? It's always the the first question when it comes to anxiety. And then if there's not a threat, then you can kind of use any number of coping skills. And distraction is one of them. But if you distract before you check, Mm. It's, it's, it's going to fight you. It's going to get louder. It's going to try to get your attention because it's trying to protect you. Mm-hmm. I love that, Heidi. I love how in this book you made space for coping skills mm-hmm. to be able to coexist with actually identifying your triggers and getting down to the core issue. Because right. I think oftentimes clients come in and they're like, coping skills, coping skills, coping <laughs> skills. And they want that fix. Yeah. But even with your, the lingo that you use in this book, you're like, oh, yeah, great. We can get to your coping skills. But first, we have to do this other work. Yes. And I love that. Yes. I put it way later in the book yes. on purpose. And you said that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So often what I hear in this book, the pattern that I kept 
hearing over and over again is the power of connection. Mm. And, you know, we talk about that a lot on this podcast. And so one thing that you said in your book is what we would miss if we just totally got rid of our Mm. anxiety, right? Right. And one of those was the opportunity to not only respond to ourselves, but to connect with others. So can you just talk about that more, the power Mm -hmm. of connection through anxiety? Yes. Um, You want to connect both with yourself and with others. Mm. Um, And what I mean by that is, number one, when you're feeling anxious, you don't want to be beating yourself up, right? You don't want to be tearing yourself down when you're feeling anxious. And so often we do that, especially when maybe anxiety comes up and there's not a threat there, but we don't know why it's there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can be easy just to kind of shame ourselves in that space. So having that connection with yourself to say, hey, how do I talk nicely to myself when I'm going through this? How do I show compassion? How do I check in with what this is trying to tell me? Um, but also connection with others. How do I not go through this alone? Mm-hmm. Right. And that connection piece with others um, really can get right at your nervous system mm-hmm. um, to just calm you and, yeah, disarm that alarm system. Mm-hmm. I was just realizing, y'all, that we did not really define anxiety very mm-hmm. well yet. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering. If Heidi, you can tell us, like, what is your definition for anxiety? And, like, I think you give a really good definition in the book in the first couple of chapters, right, of, like, the whole neurological system and all those types of things. And so how do you define that for clients? What do you want people to remember about how do they identify, like, this is what it is, what it does? Yeah. My my favorite definition of anxiety is it's just your your nervous system responding to a perceived threat. Mm. That is all it is. And so your your nervous system is so in tune with just kind of scanning the horizon for you and seeing if there's any threat on the horizon. Um, and then it responds accordingly. It pumps your heart rate. It pumps oxygen into your blood. It tenses your muscles so that you're ready for action, right? Um, but the second part of that, I use the word perceived threat very mm-hmm. intentionally because sometimes you feel anxious and there's not a threat. Mm-hmm. That's where people can get kind of confused as to why I'm feeling this. Mm-hmm. And so some of the common reasons why you might be feeling anxiety and a perceived threat when there's not one is maybe you have too many things on your schedule and your nervous system's like, oh, Denisha or Joy like has a lot coming up. So we're going to like pump that adrenaline and get her ready. Mm-hmm. Right. Which just you know, makes you feel anxious. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you're walking too fast, mm-hmm. right? That can be, that can trigger your nervous system. Maybe you're not pausing in between transitions enough and jumping from one thing to another. So the nervous system's like, okay, we're going to stay elevated mm-hmm. because we got to get to that next thing. Um, maybe it's reminding you of a past threat, mm-hmm. right? So it's, it's linking something about your current situation with something that happened in the past that was threatening. And that can be a smell, that can be a time of year, that can be interacting with somebody that, that, you know, used to not be safe for you. Um, So many different things um, can trigger that, um, that we need to just pay attention to. Yeah, right. I often tell clients that I think sometimes anxiety can have me Um, has us like stuck in the past Mm -hmm. um, or way too far ahead of myself in the future. Mm -hmm. And so I love this idea of reminding that anxiety is a perceived threat (laughs) of either a a remembering of a time where I was hurt Mm -hmm. and my body's trying to keep me safe Mm -hmm. or it is my body intentionally like saying, hey, we know, we know what's coming next. Right. Right. And so 
um, how do we help Joy get ready and stay right. ready and be right. ready and all these things, right? Um, so I, I think I hope that like our listeners can like just kind of grab a hold of those definitions of like anxiety is really part of the way that your body works to keep you safe is mm-hmm. really what you're saying, mm-hmm. which is one of your books of like one of your chapters in your book that talks a little bit about like my body didn't betray me. Yeah. Just because this anxiety showed up. Right. Can you tell us a little bit about that chapter? Yeah. So when when you're when you're recognizing that your body and your nervous system or anxiety essentially is trying to protect you mm-hmm. um you can see it as less of a, of a betrayal yeah and you can see it as a path towards asking yourself okay what am i needing in this space right what am i needing am i needing connection am i needing reassurance um am i needing to slow down am i needing to cut one of those things off my schedule Am I needing to go to therapy, Mm. right? Maybe this is telling me this is bringing up past trauma and I don't know how to bring it back to present. So I need to go seek some resources there. Um, So many different paths that if we don't see it as a betrayal can can truly lead towards towards peace. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast today. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Undisciplined is a collaboration between the African and African American Studies Program at the University of Arkansas and KUAF. The podcast provides a holistic understanding of complex issues that affect our interconnected world. Taking the interdisciplinary approach of African and African American Studies to the classroom, into the community, onto the airwaves, and beyond. I am your host, Dr. Karee Banton, and for this fifth season, I have a new co-host, Nenebi Tony podcast is produced by Leah Grant and is available every Wednesday at KUAF.com, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow the African and African American Studies program and the Undisciplined podcast on Instagram at UARK underscore AAST or visit KUAF.com to listen to all episodes. Welcome back, y'all. So speaking of the body, Heidi, you've talked about this um, visual image of running around the building and Mm. what happens to our bodies. (laughs) And that was just such a like, duh. Like, how come I've never thought about that? That simplifies it so much. Can So can you, do you know which one I'm talking about? I do, I do. (laughs) Can you share that with our listeners? Yeah, so I think one of the the other ways that we might feel like our body's betraying us is, let's say you're reading this book, and you're using the tools and you're like, okay, I'm talking to myself compassionately. I'm seeking connection. I'm listening to my body. And like, you're doing all these different things. And, and then you're like, why isn't it working? Well, your system takes time to deescalate, mm-hmm. right? So the example that I use is it's like, if I asked you to run around the building five times and then you came back in and you're still huffing and puffing, right? I would be huffing and puffing for quite a hot minute. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and you look at me and say, Heidi, I'm not running anymore. Why is my heart still racing? Why am I still breathing heavily? Like you wouldn't do that because you would understand, oh, my heart rate takes time to come back down and my breath takes time to come back down. And I think a common misconception is, well, I'm telling myself the right things. I'm using the right tools. I'm trying mm. to listen. But why is my heart still racing? 
why am I still breathing heavily? And the answer is because that's how it works. <laughs> yeah. And just normalizing that, mm-hmm. validating that, giving it time, mm-hmm. giving it time. Yeah, it takes time. It, it does. takes time for us to learn how to to slow down and comfort mm-hmm. ourselves and be compassionate to ourselves. And I think you mentioned in the book how like even starting that compassionate talk may be uncomfortable or may feel weird. Totally. <laughs> like it takes time. It takes time. I think you mentioned something about repetition too. Yeah. Repetition is how we learn. And I think we often say repetition is how we heal. Like, oh, I love that. Right? Like, love that. With attachment. Like, we always talk about attachment, right? Mm-hmm. Somehow everything's going to come back to attachment. <laughs> it all comes back. And I think that that is because of how I, I view repetition. Like, mm. it's okay that I had to learn this over and over and over and over and over again. Yes. Um, I probably didn't have a lot of repetition of, like, the good thing either. Right. <laughs> right? Of always talking to myself gently and kindly. Um, I feel like this even comes up for me when I think about how I talk to my children and like, I'm like always trying to like slow myself down and be mm. like, <laughs> like, even though I'm tired and I don't want to answer another question from my kid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I don't want to give my kid the message that like, yo, you're too much yeah. for me. Yeah. Right. And so I have to work really hard to choose my words. Like baby, Mommy needs a minute yes. before you ask me one more question. Yes. <laughs> you know, and like, because I'm like, dang, like that can become their inner voice. Right. Of like, so true. Mom told me to stop talking. Mom says I talk too much. Mom mm-hmm. says I'm always asking questions. Why am I, you know, like, mm-hmm. that's where it starts yeah. for us. And so, I don't know, slowing down and giving myself like the right words yeah. um, for myself and for my kids of, um, I can be compassionate to me. I can be compassionate to them so that they learn how to be compassionate to themselves. Right. And it's a learning curve, learning yeah. how to be compassionate to right. yourself, learning how to talk to yourself in a different way. I, I read something earlier today, in fact, that really hit me. I'm going to see if I can remember it correctly. Um, but it was something along the lines of we're more likely to believe what we tell ourselves and we're also more likely to lie to ourselves. I know it hit me it hit me Um, and so we really have to pay attention to how we're talking to ourselves you know and I love that you mentioned repetition because you know not to nerd out on you too much but you know I'm gonna do it I'm gonna do it um our our brain is made up of neural pathways right right? Mm -hmm. and I I talk about this some in the book where it's almost like if it's these patterns of behavior. So like th- when I feel this, this is what I do. When I feel this, this is what I do. And it's just this constant kind of habitual pattern, almost as if, you know, it, when it rains, the water finds the groove that it went down the time before and it digs in deeper and deeper. But if you can start doing something different instead, like when I feel this, I used to do that, but now I do this instead. Mm-hmm. And you just dig in that repetition a new neural pathway can actually form. In fact, research says it only takes about 15 minutes to reform a neural pathway, Mm -hmm. which is so fascinating. So what that means is each time, maybe it takes, I don't know, 0.25 seconds or whatever it is to do the other thing instead. And when that adds up to about 15 minutes, you have a new groove in your brain dug Mm. in to do it differently. And so, wow, like what what a gift to be able to just kind of give yourself time to learn how to do it a different way through mm-hmm. repetition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I read this other article that was like, um, 
you can heal trauma through repetition of like healthy attachments, mm. but you can heal it faster through play. Ooh, I like that idea. And so, yeah, so I've been like telling my clients like, I hope you play this weekend. I hope yes. you play. Mm-hmm. I hope you play. Like, I hope that you connect with that inner child by mm-hmm. allowing that child to play and feel safe. Right. Like we know when children play and are creative mm-hmm. is because they feel safe enough right. to explore and create and do all those things. Right. And. And usually when we, what Heidi has been saying, we are jumping up to our um, sympathetic nervous system, which is your fight, flight, or freeze, or mm-hmm. sometimes fawn. Um, it is shutting off all the other parts of your brain that yes. allow you to be creative, yes. to problem solve, um, to even consider another point of view. Uh, it shuts all that stuff off because now it's just survive, survive, right. because mm-hmm. I have perceived that something could be, is a threat again. Right. Um, and so, so yeah, so to play puts you back down in your parasympathetic nervous system, which allows you to feel this connection, acceptance, calm, engaged. Mm-hmm. You can explore. You can have fun. You could probably think a lot more creatively about the problems that may be coming up in your life. Um, but I don't know. I love, 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 love what you're saying. And I, I hope that that wasn't too nerdy for our, our, uh, yeah. our uh, audience because I I think the more we understand how our body is working for us, Mm -hmm. then maybe we can believe the other side of the coin that's like, it's not working against me. Yes. Yeah. Beautiful self-acceptance there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Heidi, I have one last question about the body. But you have talked about it in such a way where clients can understand Mm. um, with the vagus nerve and the executive branches. Can you go into that a little bit more about totally. the gut and the chest? And totally. The okay. Yeah, I'm going to nerd you. out for one more There second. we go. Just, <laughs> Just one more. One more. <laughs> but um, kind of going back to the nervous system, the vagus nerve is, is the main nerve that runs through your nervous system, right? Mm-hmm. It goes from your gut all the way back up to about the back of your brain stem. Mm-hmm. Um, the cool thing about it is it's made up of three different strands. So, And those strands kind of work as an alarm system. So like if, it, if, if the strand that runs all the way down to your gut is the one that's triggered when a, a significant threat is perceived, mm. um, the, this is the one that like maybe will lead to a fawn response or a frozen or a disassociation. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've ever seen a possum play dead, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind mm-hmm. of like everything just shuts down. And it's almost like I know this is going to hurt. Your nervous system is saying that to you. And so we're going to shut everything down so it hurts less. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so kind, right? So, so kind. Um, So the middle strand is the one that kind of runs in your chest area. And that's the one where it's like a moderate risk, right? Perceived. So that's where, you know, your body feels like, okay, I have some choices, some fight or flight. This, this is threatening me and I'm feeling the tension, but I'm, I'm mobile. I can, I can act, I can respond, right? Um, the third branch is, is really, really cool. The one that runs up kind of in your brainstem area. And that's the one that signals cues of safety. Mm. That's the one that's triggered when maybe you're connecting with someone safe and your nervous mm-hmm. system's like, oh, we can disable the alarm now mm-hmm. because we're with someone who's safe. Mm-hmm. Or it can, be, it can be triggered with a safe memory, Yeah. right? Yes. Um, sense, like if you associate a certain scent with a safe memory, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, grandma's cookies, I don't know, yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. It, your nervous system can just kind of like, ha. Ah, and I don't know if you've ever felt that where mm-hmm. you're with someone or you're smelling something or you're in an environment where everything in you just kind of your shoulders just kind of drop. Mm-hmm. Right. And everything just drops down. Um, 
that that's your vagus nerve saying, okay, we can we can relax now. Mm-hmm. It's safe to rest mm-hmm. now. Yeah. yeah, I love that. Okay. That's I normally. Um, I love telling people that I think that we can find safety in people, places, and things. Mm. And so I really appreciate that you did not just say that our the safety part of our vagus nerve only shows up with safe people, right. but can show up in a safe place, like yeah. a particular place. Like some people, you talked about nature, yeah. and mm-hmm. nature could facilitate peace yes. um, in your book. And and for some people, that safe places are our religions, have safe places are the gym, safe yeah. places. I had a client who their uh, safe thing, I talked to them like, what's your safe place, people, place, or thing? And they're like, it's my car. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? And yeah. When I learned more about their story, it had a lot more to do with the fact of like always feeling trapped in mm. places, not being able to get out. And so the car became mm. a safe place because this is a reminder like I always have a way out. Wow. Right. And so when I talk with teens or my adults, I'm like, by safe thing, I literally mean like you can think of like a blanket or a teddy mm-hmm. bear. Right. Yes. Like what is the thing? that helps hold in your physical body yeah, mm-hmm. to help you feel safe, yeah. to help you feel that comfort, right? I think you mentioned this earlier, right? Like the anxiety is a signal for a need mm-hmm. and how do I help get the need met? Yes. And most often than not, our needs are for comfort, mm-hmm. for safety, mm-hmm. for reassurance. Mm-hmm. I can be safe. I will be safe. Um, and so I don't know. I just love that idea that like we can broaden our horizons of it's not just people, but it's places is things mm-hmm. um, for people is music or food or yeah. whatever. Um, Could be walking into Hobby Lobby when they have their Christmas yes. scents out. I like yes. that too, yes. Tanisha. Yes. I do that too. I love it. Yes. Oh, I love fall candles mm-hmm. right now. Yes. It's yes. making me so happy yes. to smell all that everywhere. Yeah. It can be the things that we smell too, right? And I think that's a good point too for like, So y'all, Heidi mentioned this earlier, but it can be smells can be the very thing that trigger the the alarm system of like, Mm -hmm. I'm anxious and I'm I'm on edge, right? Mm -hmm. And so even finding a really comforting smell Mm -hmm. for you can help like lower and decrease that heart rate. I used to tell clients that like, um, I keep a beeswax, I like um, beeswax lip gloss. And so, you know, they have the one that has like peppermint and eucalyptus. Uh So I'm like, so, you know, if I was in a situation where I I could feel myself getting really anxious and really overwhelmed, I would like take out my little beeswax and like Mm. I'm having this like internal thing in my head. Nobody Mm -hmm. else knows. (laughs) But like the beeswax, one, the peppermint gives you a tingling on my lips. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then the eucalyptus is super strong and it gives an effect to my nose. Right. And so now I can focus my body and my mind on like just breathe in this scent Mm. that is really soothing and really comforting. And it's also sending other alarms to my body Mm -hmm. um, that was already anxious and overwhelmed. And so that's awesome. um, So I don't know, just hoping that like people can take away like tangible things. I think that's what I really liked about the book, too. Like Mm -hmm. there's so many tangible tools in this book, Um, even after you get through all the part about like, I think Heidi works really hard to make sure like in the book, we understand why anxiety shows up right. and understand what the signal, what it's trying to do. Like, and you, I hope our listeners could hear even what you were saying, like, oh, how great is that that the body does this? Yeah, it's awesome. 
it's really mm-hmm. trying to protect you. It's really trying to look out for you. Like your body is your friend. Mm-hmm. The anxiety even is your friend. Yes. In some ways, even if it's a friend that you wish you can get rid of. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes every now it's and an then. annoying friend, mm-hmm. but it serves its purpose. It serves <laughs> its purpose. Yeah. So I really, really appreciate the way you wrote the book, mm-hmm. um, the mm-hmm. tangible tools that you've put in here. And so I hope that people will go to Amazon and look yeah. up Hello Anxiety, How to have, Find Peace by Changing Your Response to Anxiety by Heidi Dennis, MSLPC. Yeah. Thank you, Heidi. And we will be anxiously awaiting your one for depression, right? Okay. Sure. I'll get on that. <laughs> I just put her that. on the spot, guys. I love it. I love it. I'm getting after that. <laughs> Heidi, as we get ready to close, I'm wondering, we what we normally do is we like close with like what our body is feeling in that moment, a moment of gratitude. And mm-hmm. so um, I'm wondering if like maybe maybe Denise and I will kind of start and then you can kind of just share what you, if you have any moments of gratitude sure. as we end. Yeah, um, I will say for me, um, I think I've just I think my body is just feeling a lot of peace and like calm and stillness right now. Um, and I think I, I think that's partly because I really do enjoy being able to like nerd out about so many things mm-hmm. about the vagus nerve yeah. and polyvagal theory, um, because I think the more that we understand that it just equips us to better like handle and take care of the thing as it shows up. Um, and a part of me is just like a reminder of like to be really compassionate to myself. Mm-hmm. I think this book has been that reminder for me that I need it. Mm-hmm. Um, so lots of gratitude toward you for being here and for us being able to read through this book and kind of get out some tools for ourselves and tools that we can support our clients with. So thanks so much. Thank you. Um, For me, I think right now my body's just feeling a sense of contentment Mm -hmm. and peace um, because this book, I feel like Heidi, it's just everything for working with clients with anxiety Mm -hmm. and being able to feel more equipped when clients come in the room with that, I'm broken, fix me, yeah. then my anxiety goes up because I know that that's not something mm-hmm. that needs to be fixed and right. to be able to have like a tangible thing that I can pass to them and they understand it mm-hmm. has been amazing. Yeah. And so to be able to sit here with you, I just, I'm very grateful for that. So oh. thank you. Yeah. I, my body's feeling also a sense of, of gratitude just for the validation mm. of sitting across from two amazing colleagues of mine who I already highly respect to, to just be like nodding and saying, yes, yeah, like I, I, I believe that too. And just the validation that all three of us just know how important this message is um, and just how our hearts just want to get that message out there. Mm-hmm. And so thank you both for just yeah just validating the message and joining with me in spreading it Mm -hmm. absolutely thanks so much for being here Heidi we appreciate you (laughs) I'm Denisha Simpson and you've been listening to the Resilient Black Women podcast you can learn more about us and our work at resilientblackwomen.org And if you've liked this episode, share it with a friend or two. Tell us what you think. We love reading reflections from our listeners. We hope you can join us again.